1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Looking to throw over the middle and into the end zone. Touchdown, Arizona State.
1: We support each other's uh, teams for the rest of the year, but during this game, all bets are off.
0: That was all Keaton
1: Slovis. Wow, what a play by him.
0: One man to beat, 15, 5 Touchdown, a new NCAA record. Dante Pettis. Washington State has found a way to move the ball. It's incredible what we're seeing here at Pullman tonight. Touchdown Oregon. They take the handoff. Justin Herbert delivers a dart. I went to HR several times uh, about how the Duck fans treat me. Touchdown Utah. I mean, this is the Pac-12 we're talking about. Week. Three of Pac-12 football is upon us and so far we have almost a full slate of games ready to go. Will it stay the same? Well, we're going to find out all together come Saturday, but for now we have a whole bunch to preview. Welcome everybody to Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network along with college football analyst Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkind. Delighted to be with you no matter how you're listening or where you're listening. All of us here at Believe Appreciate you making us a part of your podcast listening plans. If you missed Tuesday's episode, Adam Rittenberg joined the show. Still very prevalent conversation really surrounding the Pac-12. Definitely go back check that out. Ryan, you've been making the rounds this week. I saw you on Greg McElroy's show. I saw you on the the Stanford uh, football podcast. I mean, you've you've been busy this week.
1: Well, you know, they uh, I was hibernating until the Pac-12 came back <laughs> and then get the opportunity to you know talk what we know and. And uh, you know it helps that Washington State plays against Stanford this weekend, so there's some inside baseball there. And you know Greg McElroy is a good friend of mine, and and uh, he's gonna uh, little 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 teaser here, but uh, I think Greg McElroy is going to join us next Monday to to recap our weekend as well. Very
0: good foreshadowing. Hopefully, everybody that that piece of information gets you through the weekend. Uh, before we get to the slated games, two big things coming out of the conference. Uh, number one is Colorado, Arizona State getting canceled. Number two was that the conference contingent, with some contingencies, approved uh, non-conference games to be played if any of these programs have games that are scheduled. Now, Ryan, let's start with that. What was your interpretation of of this vote, and do you think that it will actually manifest over the course of the season?
1: Well, if a a team loses a game like Colorado this weekend – uh, and they want a chance to make it up, and so they have an equal number of games. They're two and zero right now, so they have every bit of ja- good a chance as is USC or Oregon to win the, the conference championship. And uh, if you're not able to play in the conference championship because of a limited amount of games, you know what can you do to try to try to make up that difference? And uh, the at first it was the athletic directors, and then the pre- presidents and chancellors had to uh, okay it. They have. Of course, the contingencies you talked about are uh, the schools that they have to look at, have to have the same kind of testing protocols as the Pac-12, and therefore they can make that happen. And we saw pretty quickly a week ago that a game can be scheduled and put into play within 36 hours, uh, as Cal and UCLA did on Sunday morning. So what Colorado is doing right now and has has a great opportunity – to schedule a Colorado State team that lost out uh, as their opponent uh, had to to, uh, postpone. Wyoming, which is just a state away, had to cancel their game with Utah State, so they're available as well. Colorado made a statement saying that we're going to wait until we see if any Pac-12 opponents are available. That meaning like a week ago or two weeks ago when two games were canceled. Uh, There may be another opponent... uh, a viable opponent for them to play in the conference to have a power five opponent. Uh, And if they can't, if the games seem like they're going to go off without a hitch come Friday night, you may see a a contest set up for, let's say, Sunday morning uh, between the likes of Colorado and Colorado State, a rivalry game that they normally play every year. And now we'll get a chance to do it in this pandemic shortened season.
0: And, of course, last week, Arizona State already had a game canceled. So, so far, 0-1 for the Sun Devils. And it looks like that will remain as they are just uproaring. They're looking what, like what Utah looked like in the first two weeks of Pac-12 play. And it looks like the Utes are going to be able to play now. We won't get definitive word until the USC plane obviously touches down at, in Salt Lake City. Everybody gets to, uh, to Rice-Eckley Stadium. And, and the tests go through on Saturday. But Utah, the final of the 127 FBS programs to yet, or active programs yet to have played, uh, finally getting a chance to take the field. That's the 7.30 game. Let's rewind here to the early games, Ryan. There was a conversation between uh, ESPN and the Pac-12 about how they wanted to schedule this Oregon-UCLA game. This, this was a late uh, 12.30 announcement. They wanted to stick him in the Pac-12 after dark slot on Fox, but the Pac-12 lobbied for a better slot because the Cincinnati game got canceled, that ESPN2 spot opened up, and now Oregon-UCLA is in a much better position on ESPN2 at 1230. The problem is, is I don't know how many eyeballs are going to be on this game because Oregon is probably going to take it to UCLA, and I'm not exactly uh, intrigued if I'm not a fan of the conference or one of these teams to go and watch this game compared to the rest of the slate that we're going to see around the country. What's your takeaway from this game?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a a blowout. Uh, I, I think that UCLA's dynamic offense, uh, applies pressure to a defense that's trying to find its identity. Uh, they struggled out the gate in both the Stanford and Washington state game. Um, So I expect this game to be much closer. Uh, 17 points is a lot of points. I think Oregon wins this game. I think they win it by double digits. I do. But what we need from Oregon, if they plan on contending in the college football playoff, because as of right now, I haven't seen a team in the Pac-12 capable of competing in 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 the college football playoff. If they are to do so, they have to be as physical as they were late in the fourth quarter. They have to get the matchups they want. They have to use the speed that they have and get away from people. And, uh, UCLA actually has, uh, speed, uh, on offense speed on defense. What they did to Cal a week ago was really impressive on defense. So, uh, I'm going to go with Oregon, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take UCLA plus 17 points. I think the final here is, uh, 35, 21, uh, in, in terms of, of final score. I'm with you. I, well, I think
0: what, what we're going to see largely from UCLA offensively is, is some of what we saw at a Washington State last week, um, which is just solid quarterback play. The thing about uh, DTR is that he reminds me of sort of a, a more, not a, I don't want like a tier two version of Jameis. He's a dynamic but reckless quarterback in a system where he kind of just gets to to run a with Chip Kelly and that playbook. Um, but that's what they have to do. That's what UCLA has to do. The over under is 64. I think I, I actually still I actually have it at sixty three. I have Oregon forty two, UCLA twenty one. So I have the plus seventeen. I have them by three scores. Um, you have the minus. Excuse me. I have the minus seventeen. You have the plus seventeen. I'm going to keep these by hand so that way we can uh, we can make sure that the 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 winner. Uh, is indeed the winner in these odds. Okay, so I'm with you. Also, shout out quickly to the University of Oregon, my alma mater, the first ever university to have three players drafted in the first round in the NBA draft, the WNBA draft, and the NFL draft. Of course, Marcus Mariota, Sabrina Ionescu, and last night, my boy Peyton Pritchard getting drafted by my team, the Boston Celtics. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so shout out to the Oregon Ducks and of course Nike University for making sure that they can go get all these great players to eventually go become number one or first round picks in their respective sports. The other twelve thirty game, Ryan, as we move along here, Oregon State hosting Cal. Lackluster defense last week from Justin Wilcox's team, but scheduling conflicts, last minute trip to LA. Obviously, the first two games were canceled. I think that the the situation really harmed the team more than the actual. uh, the players on the field. What's your interpretation of this game?
1: Yeah, well, UCLA was in the same situation. So, I mean, nothing was different. They were, you know, Cal was having to go to Arizona State. They were going to have to travel anyway. Um, UCLA was in the same scenario. Only difference is they had played a game. And I think that was monumentally more. Uh, Chase Garbers looked labored. He looked like he he uh, wasn't using his body. His fundamentals were bad. And I, I wonder how much practice he's gotten over the last year, what has he been able to do with the receivers that they have? Because it doesn't look like he, he's made any advancements in throwing the football. He looked he looked uh, like he struggled a lot uh, Sunday morning. So uh, they're going to have to do something different against uh, an Oregon State team that, frankly, had a good chance of beating Washington State and had an even better chance of beating Washington if not for a couple bad calls um, by the review committee on, on where a ball was spotted. So it could have been a lot different. I, I am, you know, it's at home, um, three games, third game for Oregon state. I just, I feel like they can get it done. It's a three and a half points. I think Cal, if Cal were to win it, they'd win it on the last second field goal. I don't not, I do not think that they are going to get anything done. In particular, two years ago, Oregon State ran roughshod over uh, Cal up in Corvallis last time they were up there. So, I'm going to go Oregon State here plus three and a half. Yeah, I have the same. Um,
0: this game is... I, it's Oregon State's to win. I just think it is. I think you're right. I think that they got robbed of an opportunity to win last week by a Pac-12 crew that we have seen make mistakes in the past. And obviously, the lack cameras, we can go into all of that. It doesn't matter. Um, I have a question for you regarding Garbers and, and the conditioning that a quarterback, maybe a quarterback like him who needs a little bit more fundamental conditioning, uh, how important is it leading up to the season? Because these guys had a limited amount of that, and especially when your program is shut down after... Uh, you're supposed to be back and practicing at in, in a capacity at full speed. How important is it? Because there are defensive players. Kayvon Thibodeau is my perfect example. He looked labored the first two weeks for Oregon. Because I don't think that they got the conditioning that they were that they really needed. And now they're getting it in season. How important is that for a quarterback at this stage?
1: Well, incredibly important, right? Uh, and you can do those things on your own throwing the football. You really can. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, your your work ethic. And I think Chase Garbers has probably one of the best work ethics out there. But we are in absolutely unprecedented times. We have no idea how to go about things. And the Bay Area was really shut down. And there was a lot to the quarantine up there and not, inability to go and do things and stuff like that. So maybe we'll see something different. Maybe the new offensive system, Bill Musgrave's system, has given him fits because he just hasn't had an, enough of an opportunity to learn how to, Throw in it, um, you know. That's what happens when you get a new offensive coordinator before a pandemic hits, and you don't ever get to really spend any time with them, but learn and install an offense virtually with the rest of your your group. I mean, DTR and that crew have been playing with Chip Kelly's offense for three years, so that, that's meaningful. And I, and I said that in our first show that I felt like any of the any of the uh, continuity of programs where there were. Coaches and quarterbacks that had been together for a long period of time or had more than one year, we're going to be more successful. Now, Washington State's throwing that in the face of me and everybody else because they're doing it with the new head coach and a true freshman quarterback through this process. And they look pretty darn good doing it.
0: They did. And Oregon, of course, with the new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback also. I mean, they looked a little bit sloppy in the RPO last week, but the play calling seems a lot better. And Tyler Shuck is settling in in that offense. So I'm with you. I, I agree with Rolovich and, and Delora. We'll get to that game here in just a moment. But before that, at five o'clock on Fox, uh, Washington, Arizona. This is an intriguing game for me. I wasn't impressed with Washington's offense last week. I know that they're starting a freshman. Um, Jonathan Lake came out and said that he was actually very happy with the performance of his offense. Uh, Even though they really, again, there was an gave an opportunity, a few opportunities to Oregon State to win this game. Arizona showed some signs against USC last week. I don't think they're going to be as bad as we anticipated them being. But again, a younger team, Kevin Sumlin has consistently struggled defensively. I still think Washington will find a way to pull this out, but I don't think it'll be by the 11 projected
1: points. Yeah, I, I, you know, starting a starting a freshman quarterback now, he's a redshirt freshman, okay? So he, he's been in the system. It's uh, a new offensive coordinator, of course, so he had to learn a new system as well. But what does Washington do well? They run the football with McGrew, and they have a great offensive line in their physical. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't ask Dylan Morris to do a ton. My biggest concern about this is, in a what I would consider a developmental year, six seven ga- games. If you're not in the college football conver- college football playoff conversation, what is it really? It's a developmental season, and I think it would be a wasted season if the starting quarterback in 2021 isn't the guy playing this year. Now, if Sam Heward, uh is the is the guy, then I can understand it. it comes in as a true freshman. But Ethan Garbers, you know that's that's a scenario where um what they what they're seeing in having Dylan Morris actually be the quarterback if he's not the starter a year from now uh, and it's one of the guys that are on the roster right now I'd have to say it was a wasted season that they didn't find their guy because they have a a stable full of quarterbacks uh that Chris Peterson and this staff have put together over the last five years since Jake Browning got on that uh got on that role and started four consecutive seasons Jacob Eason came in for a Stalemate. They lost Jacob Hayner, who looks like a pretty damn good one down in Fresno right now. He's ripping people apart. They better find their guy. Uh, and I thought they did a good job of protecting Dylan Morris last week. They ran the ball well defensively. They gave the stops they needed to. I think Oregon State's a better team than people expect. Uh, you know, you'd like to see them get some of these wins that are in tight tight ball games, but uh, and it is what it is. I think we'll see a much more balanced uh Washington, and if not, the defense for Arizona looked bad, and uh, USC just pretty much walked over them late in the games. I mean, I don't know if if it was you as well as me, but I remember when Arizona scored that touchdown, I I said to myself, they scored too quick because their defense wasn't stopping anything. So I think Washington wins this game too. I think 11 points is a lot from an Arizona team that can put some points up. So I'm going to go Arizona plus the 11 Washington – Gets a win here, but uh, but doesn't cover.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, we'll see what happens with Grant Gunnell. I actually think that um, you know you made the comparison that he has signs of Philip Rivers or he has a play style like Philip Rivers. Would you care to elaborate?
1: Just his throwing style. This almost it's kind of a push throw, kind of like Philip does. Just so happened, I didn't realize it until about with the third quarter that they wear the same number. He wears 17 as well. Uh, much more mobile than Phillip is, but uh, it's kind of a push throw and it's accurate. And, and, and and he's got some, some heft to it. He can throw it down the football field. So, you know, that, that's, that's the comparison I saw when I, when I, when I looked at it for the first time um, in his throwing motion and it, it looks unorthodox, but it gets it done. And it didn't look labored at all like Keaton Slovis did that whole game until the last drive, it seemed like.
0: Yeah, 286 passing yards, three touchdowns for Gannell against USC last week, and his first meaningful start as an Arizona Wildcat. Of course, he got a few starts for Cleo Tate last year when he went down with that injury. All right, one 730 game this weekend out of the Pac 12, and that is your Stanford, or wow, excuse me, your Washington State Cougars against the Stanford Cardinals. Stanford Cardinal team that almost came back against Colorado, ended up dropping it at the end of the game. You predicted that outcome. They look terrible against USC. Not. We won't even go into the offense without David Mills, but defensively, it just has not looked like a David Shaw defense. They're not disciplined. Um, they, it's pretty loose. They're playing off of receivers. Why, if, if Stanford plays this way, there's no reason for Washington State not to win and not to win convincingly.
1: Well, I don't know about convincingly because Washington State's defense proved that they had some some holes in it in terms of matchups and speed. And that's, that was one of the big things. And I'm assuming defensive coordinator coach Dickert is really going to take a look at making sure he doesn't get put in vulnerable positions again, where they have matchup, uh, matchup mistakes, especially late in the ball game. But you're exactly right. Davis Mills only had one day of practice and I felt like he started to feel his rhythm in the second half and really kind of come to life. And we saw more of what we saw a year ago in Davis Mills in that second half. So I expect him after a full week of practice, to certainly be more ready. But I think Washington State is able to stick with them, you know, point for point. And I think it comes down to the kicker. And Maza has been a better kicker than Toner this year. Toner did come back and make all his kicks this last week, but I think it comes down to that. And I think Washington State finds a way to to win another game on the road. And Rolovich goes to 2-1. and one. So I got Washington State plus the two um, – and Stanford goes to 0 and 3, and you know this could be a, a, a another year where Stanford doesn't get above 500. If they're at 3 and 3 uh, with three games to go, you know who knows? They're I mean, they still got to play the likes of Washington. Uh, I don't know who who is their – Do you know who their crossover game is this year? Uh, I have the
0: schedule handy. This oh, it was, it it was Colorado. Call, it was Colorado, yeah, and they got it was, it was Colorado. Colorado. And they got beat.
1: So yep. you know, it's it's. You know, it's it's not shaping up for well for David Shaw, but I think everybody understands that this, this needs to be a development year. They better develop Davis Mills into a, a elite quarterback in this conference uh, at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean that I am with you. First of all, I have Wazoo plus two. Um, I have them like 38, 40 to thirty two. I think they'll put up some points. I like Renard Bell um, as a primary option for Jaden Delora and. It's, it's tough. I actually like Stanford. I've always liked Stanford as a program. It was fun to root against them when they were always good, um, whenever they would match up with Notre Dame. And then I, when I grew up a USC fan, seeing how that would play out and try to predict what happens with USC Stanford, which was always early. And then USC, Notre Dame at the end of the season, Stanford was always a revolving door. Um, it, it's tough to see. And David Shaw is such a great guy. Um, but unfortunately, another year for Stanford looks like where they're going to be somewhere at the bottom of the North, maybe the Pac-12 in general. Uh, all right. So let's go over these really quickly. You have
1: the plus have final game.
0: Do we have a, did we miss a game? Did I miss a game?
1: USC, Utah,
0: USC, Utah, the most important game of the day. Thank you for that. Ryan leaf, not only expert college football analyst, but he's also keeping me on task here. All right. Utah hasn't played the one, as I mentioned to open the show, the only of the 127 active FBS programs to not have played a game of football yet this season. Um, I don't know what to make of Utah replacing a lot of big pieces. They had a good recruiting class. I like what Kyle Whittingham does typically, elevating the talent on his team. I think USC, though, at this point, with two games under their belt with unconvincing wins, even though it's in Utah, based on all the circumstances, there's no reason that SC probably doesn't win this game. Um, But I think that, again, will be
1: unconvincing. So maybe a touchdown, maybe 10 points. Well, this game is at night. It's cold. USC has not won there since 2012. So it's been eight years since they were able to go to Rice-Eccles Stadium and figure out a way to get the win. Utah is a physical football team. USC is no longer a physical football team. The air raid has knocked that wind out of them. And we saw it last week in short yardage situations. They looked very much like a Mike Leach led offense at Washington state over the last decade where they got into situations where they needed to get a first down on on third and one or fourth and one couldn't do it because these offensive linemen spend their entire game, the entire season, entire practice going backwards, dropping back in pass protection. They're asked to go forward. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. Uh, Also, they, they sit their quarterback in the shotgun. The running back at nine yards back when it's third or fourth and one. It's the most asinine thing I can think of from an offensive coordinator standpoint. Uh, Utah is going to be a physical team on a cold night. Their bodies are fresh. They haven't played. Uh, I think that can be a positive as well as a negative in that they don't know what they have at the quarterback position. They don't know what they have on that revamped defense that lost so much talent to the NFL. How are they going to replace Tyler Huntley? How are they going to replace Zach Moss? They got some great tight end play and wide receivers. We'll see what quarterback they go with. If they go with the young freshman and Cam Rising, or if they go with the uh, fifth-year senior and Jake Bentley, we'll find out Saturday. Uh, I think UC, USC continues to find a ways to get it done, like they had the last couple of weeks. It may not look pretty, uh, but I think they find a way to win three points. I'm going to go with that. I think they win. You know. It, or a push, you know, 24-21, or they win by a touchdown 24-17, something like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go USC minus the three right now. I think they go to three-0, and continue the uh, the matchup pathway to the matchup for the Pac-12 championship, uh, with two undefeated teams. That would be great for for Oregon. I think Oregon's the best team. The best chance they have is to maybe get um a COVID lost. Game where they don't play Oregon State or they don't play Cal in the next two weeks because they could schedule BYU. And I think BYU would be stupid to do this because they're essentially giving up a New Year's 6 bowl bid and just having their season kind of just become an also ran and go to the Armed Services Bowl or something like that um, if they were to play Oregon. But Oregon needs it because. UIU is going to be in the top 10 in the first college football rankings a week uh, next Tuesday night. So uh, that would be the best thing for Oregon to get a, a chance to be the top 10 team. And then hope hope USC, who is at 20 right now, goes undefeated and maybe gets vaulted up to somewhere around the top 10. So they have a top 15 win for them at 7-0. and That would be the only way I think they even get a, any kind of consideration. To the college football playoff
0: yeah this morning i was on a steve tannen show up in cbs portland a, a host that i know you know you've been on his show before and he he asked me sort of the south that sort of same scenario and i said if you're an oregon fan if you're hoping that oregon gets in the college football playoff you're a usc fan and you want style points and you need you need usc by all intents and purposes to go and kick the asses off these teams week in and week out at this point because so far there has been not a convincing win in the first two weeks for USC. Quickly on uh, Utah, you mentioned to only two freshman starters right now on the depth chart. That's Nate Ritchie at the, at the free safety and Clark Phillips, the third at cornerback. Clark Phillips, the third, is the highest recruit ever uh, for Utah. He was a four star, he was the third highest cornerback in the nation. He's supposed to go to Ohio State, and Kyle Whittingham was able to flip him to Utah. I'm excited to see him go against Almond Ross St. Brown. I think that's going to be a fun matchup to keep an eye on, but uh, that defense overall, you're right outside of seven returners. There's a lot. I mean, freshmen all over the second part of the depth chart. If they're, if they're facing 60 heat and Slovis passes, they're going to need a rotation of players. And I just don't think that the freshman core um, as the second unit is going to get the job done. And offensively, like you said, Jake Bentley, there's drew Lisk also Cameron rising. um, Who's the, the transfer. So you don't, you don't think drew Lisk even has a shot in this.
1: I, 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 talked to a couple of my sources there at Utah and he's, uh, if, if they, they weren't confirming anything other than Drew Lisk is out of the conversation. Okay. Now, so. Okay.
0: So yeah, Jake Bentley and Cameron rising are the, are the two predictors there. All right. So let's go over these really quickly. And then we have some time. Let's talk some, na- some quick national college football. Let's see what games that you Ryan Leaf are keeping an eye on across the national slate. And by the way, I heard that JT Daniels is starting at Georgia folks. It's about time that Kirby Smart gives this guy a chance because that offense has not been very impressive as of late. All right. Uh, Ryan has UCLA plus 17 against Oregon. I have Oregon minus 17. That looks like the only discrepancy that we have this week. We both have um, the plus three Oregon State against Cal, plus 11 UW-Arizona, the plus two Wazoo over Stanford. And you have a push or the minus three USC over Utah. I have the minus three. Um, I'll give you one or the other if they end up winning by the field goal or if they win by more than that field goal. So that is the Pac-12 slate of games. Five games on the docket. No Colorado and uh, no Arizona State. Colorado might be back, but for right now, that game is canceled. We'll see if they can get Wyoming or, uh, or Colorado State or one of the other Mountain West schools to fill in because BYU is going to put the hurt on North Alabama this week and they are not free to play a Pac-12 team. All right, Ryan. There's a decent amount of of, of games. I'm not exactly sure, minus maybe that Ohio State Indiana game that have college football playoff implications, but but games nonetheless that we should be paying attention. Oh, Wisconsin Northwestern, I should say the Big Ten is is rolling this
1: week. What are you looking at? Well I'm looking at what the committee's going to do after this weekend. Northwestern uh If they were able to upset Wisconsin, I wouldn't be surprised if Northwestern is at number six or number five in the college football initial rankings. Because if you're gonna put Texas A&M in there and they have a loss and haven't played anybody else other than a win over Florida, Northwestern needs to be in that conversation. So that should be interesting. The Big 12 is, or the Big 10 is at the forefront of college football this weekend. Indiana, in the last 60 years, is two fifty-six and 2 against Ohio State. Those two wins came in back-to-back years, 87 and 88. So it has been miserable. Tom Allen's got his boys believing. He really does. They are 21-point underdogs. It doesn't look like it's not going to be business as usual, and Ohio State's going to run right through them. But if they make a couple mistakes early, and Indiana can capitalize, uh, that game could get pretty tidy. I, I still think Ohio State whoops them. I think that Wisconsin whoops up on Northwestern. I think chalk stays as chalk, and we're talking about, you know, the first round of the college football playoff and whether or not Notre Dame can beat Clemson the second time and knock them out completely. Who knows? But um, I don't think we're going to see too much. I think Oklahoma State is still involved, and I think people are writing off the Big 12 because of it. Oklahoma State has one loss. They are able to win in bedlam this week against Oklahoma. That changes the conversation a little bit. They get to stay in that conversation, and if they are a Big 12 champion, and when it's all said and done with one loss, though it's to Texas, uh, I think that there's a you know, there's an argument to be had if there if some chaos hits. If if Texas a and is there with one loss and Alabama's there with one loss, and you know Clemson's there with two losses. There's a lot that can go into that. So if Oklahoma State can continue. So I'm pretty keeping an eye on that. I'm keeping an eye on Appalachian State at Coastal Carolina. My old play-by-play partner, Clay Matvick, on the call there. So I'm excited to see that. Um, but more importantly, excited to see how the Pac-12 does. Because, again, there's going to be about 15, 16 games canceled this weekend. A lot, a lot of them in the South. And that allows for games like the Pac-12 games to get a little more attention. Uh, so I think this weekend is going to be really all about the big 10 and the pac 12 and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. It sucks that Marshall's game against Charlotte got canceled. Marshall rolling at seven and zero. I, I want to ask you Hugh freeze question here. Liberty's eight. zero. I know he signed a contract extension this past weekend or this past week. Um, does he stay at Liberty or does he get a power five off somewhere? Maybe, maybe South Carolina.
1: Yeah. I, I think Tennessee is actually one that's going to open up, Tennessee. uh, where he could, he really could get a, a look there. Um, and uh, and I wouldn't be surprised, and I also wouldn't be surprised if the Mississippi State people are like, "This was the worst decision we made to go with Mike Leach and Hugh Freeze back in the state of Mississippi, um, where he was one of only two coaches to take down mighty Alabama, and Nick Saban twice. You know, Gus Malzon did it, has done it twice to Nick Saban, but Hugh Freeze did it at 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 uh, Mississippi, and boy, was that special! So. It reminds me a lot of, of what Lane Kiffin was at last year at FAU, to sign an extension, saying he loved it, loved his guys, would be around forever, and then the next week he took a job at Ole Miss. So, you know, don't pay too much attention into the fact that Hugh Freeze took a, uh, took an extension. Extensions don't mean anything. It just, it's just – it's it's a way – it's an olive branch of a university to try to say, hey, we love you. This is how much we love you. Please don't leave us.
0: You mentioned Mississippi State. They opened up the season beating the national champs. They're two and four. Now they match up against Georgia JT, JT Daniels gets that start. So two former quarterbacks from the PAC 12 JT Daniels started at USC, obviously for a season went down against Fresno state transferred out of the program. Uh, when Keaton Slovis ended up being the guy Mississippi state is KJ Costello, who is, um, only six touchdowns on the season and four of them or five of them came against LSU. I know that he's been in, Well, he's not uh, playing
1: anymore. They, they benched him. Oh, is so he they're playing they
0: bench him. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, they're, they're terrible. Um, yeah. they are very, very bad football team. So, um, I expect them to get absolutely, you know, clobbered by the likes of Georgia. We'll see what JT Daniels can do. I mean, they were, it wasn't that they didn't want to play him. It's just, they, they didn't want to rush him back from that knee injury. Uh, that's more and more I heard from Kirby smart, uh, when I talked to him a couple weeks ago and, and they must feel comfortable enough now that he's healthy enough to protect himself. And, you know, good game to do it in is against a Mississippi State team that that isn't very physical.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, Pac-12 slate seems way more intriguing than the National College football slate, but uh, the Ohio State-Indiana matchup, like you said, intriguing, and and a couple of Wisconsin-Northwestern as well. Man, if Northwestern can pull that off, if you're right, Ryan, about Northwestern being... A five or six out, then and then good night to the Pac-12 because they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt if Northwestern is up that high against Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin looks good. I know they beat Michigan convincingly, but um, that's that stems even worse. For well, the Pac-12. this is
1: this is this is a look that you got to really take it take it to heart too. Is, is if Wisconsin wins and they're three and zero, and the committee looks at them and goes, "Oh, we like you." after only having three games, that means that they're more about the eye test than they are about data points, which means an Oregon team at three and O has every bit of chance to be in the top 10. And I think when this weekend's said and done, when Tuesday comes around, well, we're going to see an Oregon team in the top 10 when the committee releases its first rankings on Tuesday night.
0: All right. Really quickly. I saw Trevor Lawrence move back to third in the Heisman conversation. Um, as of today, this is Thursday night nearing eight o'clock on the, West Coast, um, who's your Heisman, and how? What does Grayson McCall have to do to get consideration? Who's that? He's the quarterback at Coastal. Oh, everybody's. Are, are, are He's been like the guy. He's been insane. Uh, never I heard, in the top ne, eight. never heard oh. Never, never
1: heard of him. Never okay, heard. Okay, well,
0: him. in that case, he's he has no shot. Ignore that yeah. part of the question. Who's your Heisman?
1: Kyle Trask, by far. He's he's putting up Joe Burrow numbers. Uh, the loss is problematic but he played really well in that game uh you know i don't i don't see how anybody defensively stops this florida team until the sec championship and then it may be lsu alabama all over again from a year ago just go and whoever hits 51st it wins and that would be a heck of an sec championship that's for sure because what Florida is doing now offensively and what kyle trask has has done is really really impressive it would be it would be Unbelievable to see back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners come from out of nowhere, really, uh, to win it. So right now, he's the guy. I don't see anybody else, you know, within even with, within reach of him right now in terms of what the Heisman Trophy has to offer.
0: Yeah, Trout's currently sitting at twenty-one hundred passing yards, twenty-eight touchdowns in six games in the most dominant football conference in the nation. And I think that's the best way to leave it off. Great football coming up this week. As we mentioned, five Pac-12 games on the slate. We'll see if Colorado can reschedule. Make sure to uh, to look alive on Twitter. I'm sure Ryan will be live tweeting a lot of this stuff. Um, and you're going to want to get all of his insights. And as he alluded to on Monday, perhaps Greg McElroy will join the show as well. Get his college football insights. Enjoy Pac-12 football. Enjoy college football. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Believe in the Pack 12 on the Blue Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts